Hi, my virtual friends. This is Father Dyer here. And what follows is a homily I gave at St. Veronica's Catholic Church in Chantilly on this 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I'm uh, providing this intro because I think I said a few things awkwardly in the homily uh, that perhaps uh, might have been a little confusing. But you're seeing... Uh, the Lord working on Father Dyer in real time here. And literally as I was proclaiming the gospel, I realized that I uh, did not completely understand. Well, I still perhaps don't completely understand, but I um, did not fully understand the gospel, certainly as I was praying on it throughout the week. Recall in Matthew 13, uh, verses 44 through 52, the Lord gives us uh, a number of parables. First, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field. So Jesus uh, is the treasure and he's hidden, uh, buried in a field. He's hidden in the sacraments. And when we find him, uh, we find joy. Secondly, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. So Jesus is that merchant and he is searching for fine pearls. We, my friends, are the fine pearls, and he has paid a great price for us, ultimately uh, the price of his life on the cross. And so when we come to discover that, discover who he is, that he is in search for us, and the price he paid for us then too, my friends, we find true peace and joy. Thirdly, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea. Jesus is that net. He's thrown into the sea of the world, and he desires to collect fish of every kind. And that there will be a judgment, uh, throwing what is bad away, collecting what is good, uh, and providing it uh, to uh, well, bring us together with all the saints. And then he asks, finally ends uh, the gospel by asking if we understand these things. And... Um, the response uh, of uh, his disciples, of course, is yes. And he says, then every scribe, everyone who does understand, who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven, instructed in the Lord, then is like a head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. In other words, that we are called to go out and to bring to him, to bring to uh, the church, to bring ultimately, please God, to heaven, all those we encounter each day are Family members, our co-workers, our classmates, um, our friend groups, uh, everyone, that we are called to bring them to the Lord. You know, my friends, I have a habit of uh, heading down to our rectory chapel on Sunday night and briefly praying uh, with the readings for the next Sunday. So I'll have them in my heart and my mind throughout uh, the week. And last Sunday night, a particular verse resonated with me uh, from the second reading from Romans chapter 8. We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You know, friends, I'm ashamed to admit, I'm about to get a little vulnerable here, but I'm ashamed to admit that that verse resonated with me, I think, for all the wrong reasons. You know, my disordered view sometimes of reality, I look around our church, I look around our country and our world, and I wonder, seriously, all things work for good? No, they don't. They don't seem to, anyhow. I look around, and we are a hot mess. And I look around, and I 
Well, uh, I, well, I made a plan, a plan to preach today, a plan to preach about whether we actually believe this anymore. I was going to offer some evidence that we still struggle to uh, get people to come to Mass. And I was going to speak about two uh, contrasts I saw throughout the week, a prince of the church saying that his number one priority is to ensure the safety and health of all who attend Mass in his schools, etc. Of course, this is a very high priority of his, but I would argue it is not his number one priority to save souls ought to be his number one priority. Monsignor Charles Pope gets this. And he articulated in a beautiful article that I read that resonated with me throughout the week. He says that we as a nation and as a church have succumbed to excessive fear. I believe this is true. He says concerns of the coronavirus are not without merit. Of course they're not. But he also says they're not unprecedented. We've seen this before as a country and as a world. What is unique, he says, however, is the collective paralysis brought about by worldly fear. The conclusion, sadly, by many, well, the only solution is a cure, a cure for the coronavirus, and in the meantime, total anxiety, in fact, hyper-anxiety. And many have used people's fear to control them, and not always in helpful ways. Monsignor does ask an important question. He says, what will it take to help people get their courage back? In large part, he says, the church has cowered and has capitulated, not summoned people to trust and faith, not spoken of the important role of suffering, not preached about theology of death and dying. Yes, this is what I wanted to. In fact, I even joked with Father Kleiman, maybe I'll just read this article. That would be my homily. I thought, I, well, I remind the people that we are made for eternal life, that the treasure is our faith. Be not afraid. Perhaps I will give that homily sometime. But then I recalled something my formation advisor said to me so long ago. He was a Dominican. The first person you preach to is yourself. And suddenly I realized that the Lord had placed that verse on my heart and mind last Sunday night because he knew that at some level I did not yet believe it either. At some level I don't believe that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I do love God and I know that he's called me for a particular purpose but I am angry and I am frustrated at this whole situation. And oftentimes I do sadly lack peace and joy. And sadly, I also oftentimes do feel burdened by my vocation. This perhaps is obvious. And then I realize something you already know. <laughs> I am not the savior. This burden is not mine, it is his. And I realized that I can't yell people back into the pews. That's not very fatherly, and that's certainly not very kind. And I know to the very fiber of my being, I preach about this often, mercy does triumph over judgment. And so I must invite. And I invite first by demonstrating the fruits of the Holy Spirit more perfectly, joy and peace and love and patience and, yes, self-control. 
My friends, I imagine the same struggle goes on in the hearts and minds of many of us here. We look around our broken world, we look around even at our church, we question the reality of Romans 8. We examine our lives, we examine our hearts and our minds, and we wonder if we believe at times. And that is exactly why the Lord gives us these parables we've been contemplating on these past few weeks. It's exactly why I continue each week to quote Pope Benedict. He's got this. He says, in the parables, Jesus is speaking of himself, explaining the mystery of his mission, and thus the mystery of the kingdom. He is, Jesus is, the solution to all that troubles us. Pope Benedict goes on and says they speak, these parables, in code of Christ. The decision that he demands is a decision about how one stands toward him. In other words, what is our relationship with the Lord? They are, he says, invitations to discipleship. Of course, they are. They get to the heart of the battle going on within us, my friends. They get to the heart of the battle going on for us, for our souls. Today's readings are about that battle. Today's readings are about that contrast. They're about that exhaustive way, in fact, that the Lord tries to encounter us, tries for us to encounter him. They're about what we believe the treasure worth acquiring. Where they're about the pearl of great price worth seeking. They're about that merchant that is Jesus, that seeks that pearl, for we are the pearl of great price. They're about what we find value in, and what we're willing to do to obtain it. You know, my friend Solomon in that first reading did not ask for riches, and he was wise to not do that. But we know that we often do. Many do dream, in fact, of striking it rich, of winning the lottery. We play the lotto. We enter raffles. Some of us even go to Vegas. We watch television and movies that glamorize the lives of the wealthy. In my day, it was Dallas and Dynasty. Many still watch Beverly Hillbillies. I love Fresh Prince at Bel of Bel Air. Today, I suppose it's Downton Abbey. I don't know what people watch anymore. We even watch Price is Right, 48 years and still running. We dream of winning the showcase showdown, do we not? We do these things, and we hope that we will strike it rich and that all our problems will be solved, and we ignore the reality that worldly riches do not satisfy our real needs. My friends, even if we were able to satisfy every one of our material desires, we know we've experienced that emptiness, emptiness remains. Consider life without friendship. Consider life without love without purpose. Consider life without our faith. Consider uh, life without any of these things. We can better understand that our greatest needs are spiritual. We know this. Today's gospel speaks of various ways the Lord uses to satisfy our spiritual needs, ways he uses to help us encounter him. Some encounter God seemingly out of the blue. They don't seem to be seeking him anyway, like stumbling across a treasure in a field. It doesn't say how this person discovered the treasure in the field. He was likely simply doing his job. 
doing his job working for the man. Perhaps he was simply plowing the field and he came upon what he thought was a rock, only to discover that it was a great treasure. How many times had he discovered that rock before and today, this day, seemingly out of the blue, his life was forever changed. St. Paul had one of these moments off to Damascus to persecute more Christians, off to Damascus to implement his own plan when he was thrown to the ground by a great light, yet a life-changing, life-altering encounter with Jesus. Perhaps, and please God, we have all had that same sort of encounter. Tragedy, my friends, we know can do that, throw us to the ground. Help us to realize our need for the Lord. Cancer, job loss, certainly the coronavirus, these tragedies put life in perspective. Our need for God becomes paramount. We realize that nothing else matters. Nothing else can satisfy us. Some people do come to God suddenly in a life-changing encounter with him. Others go on a search for him. Surely we all do this, like the merchant who spend their whole life searching, in a, in a, well, in effective and ineffective ways sometimes, only to one day discover the pearl of great price. The merchant who searches comes to recognize dissatisfaction with things, a longing for mystery. We thirst for it. Some people discover the pearl of great price. They discover Jesus after this search. But you know, this parable also, if Jesus is the merchant, then he is seeking us too. We are the pearl. It has double meaning here, I think, in this parable. Finally, others grow to embrace him over a lifetime in the church, like the fish in the net of that third parable. They're gathered into the church's life at baptism. And slowly, as they mature in their faith, they come to appreciate God at the center of their lives. They take advantage of the abundant ocean of God's grace throughout their life. They feed on the wisdom of the church and flourish in her sacramental lives in an intimate daily prayer. And then at the end of their life, at the final judgment, they're placed in that heavenly bucket with the other saints, that internal embrace of the Lord in heaven. My friends, however we come to him, whether suddenly or after a long search or please God throughout our whole life, or perhaps, and surely this is the case in all of these ways, once we encounter him, once we truly encounter him, we know that nothing else matters. We know that Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is that treasure hidden in the sacraments hidden in what used to be bread and wine, hidden behind that screen of the confessional. Jesus is the pearl of great price. He is that merchant in search of that pearl, which is us. We also are that pearl of great price. We, my friends, have great dignity. His divinity is hidden behind the hardened shell of his humanity, but so too, my friends, Beloved daughters and sons of the Heavenly Father, hidden behind that hardened shell of self-hatred is our, is our pearl of great price, which is his greatest creation, you and me. And once that treasure is found, 
Once that pearl of great price is truly discovered, we are called to hold nothing back, to get no insurance in case the treasure, in case that pearl does not satisfy, to give him everything. Isn't that exactly, my friends, what our life struggle is all about? Isn't that what we've been struggling with for months? What am I personally willing to risk to, uh, well, to receive the Eucharist, to receive that hidden treasure? What am I willing to risk to be the man, the woman, the child God is calling me to be? And how am I doing with my struggle to be all in, to give everything to the Lord in order to obtain that unmerited eternal grace of heaven? I don't know about you, but I struggle with this every single day. I struggle to do this, to sing with confidence like the, like the psalmist did. Lord, I love your commands. I know sometimes I do not. I struggle at times to give myself completely to the treasure. But we are all called to be humble, to be humble like Solomon. And in our overwhelmingness at times and all times to turn to the Lord and simply ask for that understanding heart for our wills to be conformed more perfectly to his will. And you know what? The reward is great. The reward, in fact, is beyond our imagination. On the one hand, my friends, Jesus Christ and his grace is freely offered. And, on, and there is nothing that we can do to earn it. It is free. On the other hand, we must make ourselves available to receive it, to make ourselves available by emptying ourselves of everything else. Friends, we may all dream about striking it rich in the worldly sense, but in a real sense, we have already won the lottery in the supernatural sense. Father Kleiman, such a wonderful pastor, so generous, so generous and kind. We have an amazing parish here at St. Veronica's and an awesome diocese. We are already winners. We are already supernaturally rich. We do at some level know that all things do work for good for those who love God and that we are called, every last one of us, to, oh well, according to his purpose. The struggle, though, we know is real. Isn't it time right now here in that pew, in this holy mass, to let go and let him win? He only asks for our heart and mind. He actually is kind of selfish. He wants all of us. So we seek him humbly, knowing that we can't, but he can, and he did promise. We seek him with humility and confidence, with humble confidence, knowing that faith is a gift, a gift freely offered to us. What will we do today? What will we do right now here at this Mass to obtain it? And how will we share it? Let us all agree right now to not be afraid. We have everything we need here in this Holy Mass, and may God be praised. Amen.